Oh my God, look at that handsome devil, Phil Collins and Alex Peterson with you today for another episode of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. Phil, you're looking bold and beautiful, brother. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty uh, bold and beautiful. I'm glad you said that. It radiates from you. Yeah, yeah. I just woke up, feel like shit, so I'm just kidding. Nah. I can call that from a mile away. <laughs> Great. So uh, we're getting ready to do another episode. We are off the heels of... A great episode and a great interview with Matt Solis. And today, we got a pretty exciting opportunity because Ben Gleason is going to join us in reviewing the album Strapping Young Lad by Strapping Young Lad that you had suggested for us to review. And he's going to be on the lead singer of Source while you review his band's album Return to Nothing. So be mindful. He's going to sock you in the face if you say anything negative. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. All right, good. So you sound like you're ready for some fighting. Uh, oh, not that part, but yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so he's going to join us kind of after the break. We'll have him step in and give us his thoughts on Strapping Young Lad, and, and he'll be here to moderate your opinion on the Return to Nothing album. But in the meantime, Phil, I was just wondering, uh, it seems like you live kind of a dull, boring, dreary life, right? I mean, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, our life's terrible. Yeah, so it remi- reminds me of this. And, uh, right. you know, that that type of feeling and sentiment is something that can only be expressed through sound. And I just wonder if there's ever anything that you've wondered about, like maybe uh, what happens when this just springs up on you? Oh, you know, it just kind of feels good at first, and then I feel a little bad. Depends on who heard it. <laughs> I mean, and how they feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a crowd pleaser, so, you know, if they were into that... If people laugh at my farts, then, uh, you know. And I guess by what's going on right now, you can tell I made a new addition to the podcast. Can you tell what that is? No, I thought you farted into the mic just now. I thought you could totally control it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, sometimes I have that ability, but today is actually coming from... Bam, 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 bam. Wait, actually, I'll do it real. I don't have to do it anymore. I can't so, tell the difference between you and that... Thank you. That's amazing. I've been, I've been practicing my whole life for that. But anyway, we got a fucking sound machine finally for the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. So now we actually are like uh, two average white guys with a radio show rather than a podcast. Exactly. Uh, we're we're going to start on traffic. It's going to be totally out like two weeks old and not really applicable to where most people live that might listen to this. But we're going to do it. I feel like we're really coming to a league of our own here, but there's a there's a reason and a way that I want to use this sound machine specifically today, and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. So I have an, a That's So Metal segment for us to use, and you may have heard about this, but I want to express my feelings and basically the experience of the That's So Metal segment through soundbite with very little narration, and I think it's going to be wonderful. So... Tell me, Phil, have you heard about Kurt Kaiser or Kurt Kaiser? No. Okay, get this. I'm just going to read you the headline. Nebraska farmer caught in grain auger uses pocket knife to sever what's left of his leg. Oh, man, that's pretty metal. Pretty fucking metal. Yeah, that's... God, what a poor bastard. So, let's just say guys like in his 60s Walking around the barn, 
turns, takes a bad little step, bam, foot and auger getting chewed off, completely chewed off. So the guy, you know, complete hero is like, uh, let me just make sure I'm taking care of business here. I'm going to be a freaking war hero and I'm going to saw my own leg off with my pocket knife. And I want to express that to you in sound effects. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So I'm trying to, I'm going to give this as little narration as humanly possible, but I think it's going to need a little explanation. So here we go. Kurt and the grain auger. This is when Kurt and the grain auger meet. Next, the grain augers and Kurt lock eyes. Let's get ready to rumble. The grain auger thinks. Shoes, shoes. Because it wants to do this to the shoes on Kurt's feet. Kurt's immediate response. Fuck. But after he gets himself together and that judging that immediate response, the corn auger says, Finish him. So then Kurt responds with a little bit of positivity. Not today, asshole. He pulls out his pocket knife. And to the grain auger, he says, Now, legless, the grain auger bitch slapped. He goes and he gets into his Toyota Prius. Immediately, what was left on the radio begins blasting. Kurt driving away with one good leg, says to the grain auger, Game over. The good news is, Kurt now is eligible for a medical marijuana card. Smoke weed every day. Everyone he ever tells that story to, from now until infinity, will say, Cool story, bro. And we all look on at Kurt with this. What do you think, Phil? Well, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And uh, sound effects really drove it home. I was going to do a slow clap, but you did the round of applause at the end, so it would have been redundant. Yeah, and you know, I think you're getting to the gist of it, which is the sound machine is going to slowly replace you. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> oh, God, I'm tired. That works for me. Now, i uh, Good story. That's fucking insane, man. That poor guy. No, just legless. And you got to listen to the interview of him sawing off the nerves. He said he could feel the nerves snapping as he's sawing through them. Yeah, rough. I would, that's so bad. God damn it. How old was he? 64. I just, I don't know. I feel like if you live to 64, like you have no case to make with nature. It doesn't work like that. But that shouldn't happen to you after 60 fucking years of. Just taking on the chin from life, probably, especially as a farmer. 
I, yeah. I completely agree. It's like, yeah, haven't we already had enough trials and tribulations? Now we got to get our goddamn leg chewed off. Yeah, Jesus Christ. When's it going to end? That's going right. to hobble around. Hopefully he's, you know, got a good retirement plan. But, you know, what, what's amazing to me is the fact that when your body just kicks into that reactive mode, I mean, think about it. It's like, okay, I can either saw my fucking leg off or I can get my whole body sucked through this machine, ground into bits, and destroyed. God, I know the fucking. Uh, it was, I, he probably didn't. Even, he probably didn't really even think. He was just like, right, I'm just gonna do this. But fuck that, man. Yeah, if somebody gives you the option between like laying on a beach or sawing your leg off, of course it's real easy. But if it's sawing your own leg off or getting sucked your entire body dick first through a gr- corn auger, <laughs> I think I'll, <laughs> I'll saw my leg off pretty quick. So if you go into a corner over dick first, you got some explaining to do. If you survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome! All right, man. Well, well, listen. Are, are you ready to do our uh, big time rock paper scissors slam down to see who's going to go first this afternoon? Um. Yeah, I do. I am ready. I mean, yes. You're you're absolutely ready. Yeah. All right. Uh, when All am right. I not ever ready except for those times where I haven't been ready? <laughs> Well then, I, I guess all there is to say about that is, mm, let's get ready to are you ready to rumble? Yeah. All right. Unless you're here not going to use like Bruce Willis again or something. No, you can't. You can't repeat. Bruce Willis was such a strong pull, though. Nothing was going to beat that. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ready? Rock, Rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Anything you, you want to do. do. Bowling knife ball. wrench. Knife wrench against a bowling ball. I don't know, man. I think a bowling ball is a formidable foe for a knife wrench. I think if a wrench hacked at a bowling ball for a while, eventually it would crack it. I mean, it depends. Who's? I mean, how's how? Are well, the, how is are they someone? Meeting? I was gonna say, is the is the knife wrench being wielded by someone, or is it just an inanimate lay? I guess they have to interact. Well, what? Okay, let's let's agree that they are uh, like self-movable. What's the word I'm looking for? Where they Sentient they're both? Or yes, they're, yeah. yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, they're they're they can't do anything that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do, but they can do that. They can roll. The bowling ball can roll. Yeah. And, and your thing can it can do unscrew this. and screw. Yeah, it can. <laughs> Which everybody can listening to this can see. Yes. Phil is just uh, swatting his arm from like uh, three o'clock to noon. <laughs> just assume that doing this is just something compellingly and uh, uh, convincing. I don't know, man. I th- I think if you took a knife to a bowling ball, it would eventually break. Not the ball, the the knife. I mean, how big is this knife wrench? I was thinking more of the wrench part than the knife for the hacking away the ball. Uh, not because hack. It's more of a pounding. It's more of a chipping away. But I feel right, like let's look. I think we could do it this way. Which one of these is going to be most useful for its desired role in the world after the altercation? The bowling ball is probably not going to be too valuable. Yeah. Knife wrench. I mean, yeah. the knife part could snap if, if it gets involved. If it, I mean, the, yeah, the wrench would be... What, also, is it a 10-pound or, or is, it, is it a duck pin ball? Oh, no, it's a 16 all right. But but I still think I'm going to tip my cap to you because I think if after the the fight is over, the bowling ball is going to be chipped to shit. Yeah. And it's not going it's not going to roll it's, straight. It but the, use that, yeah. 
Right, but the but the wrench and the knife wrench, the knife could still cut something like your leg off. Yeah. And it's- the wrench probably is I guess suppose, you know, maybe if not if the uh spinning part is no longer adjustable, it's it's at least usable for some screws. Yeah. Some screws, you can still murder someone with it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's All right. practical and safe. I definitely think that's been our most equal showdown, which is interesting. But I'm going to tip my cap to you and say you win. Thanks. So for that, I have something to share with you. And for me. Yeah. You go look at yourself in the mirror right now. And just just a sad, sad violin. Well, what can you do? All right. Well, after we come back from the break, Phil, we're going to have Ben join us. We're going to review. First up, he and I are going to review your album, Strapping Young Lad by Strapping Young Lad, because you won. Okay. And then you are going to get to review Return to Nothing by Source. And Ben is going to join us and kind of give us some input and insight into how the album was recorded and what it means and all this awesome stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. And we'll see you on the backside of the break. Sweet. Hi, folks. I'm here to talk to you about something serious. Millions of people have been experiencing adverse reactions when taking the supplement known as the super hot anal release treatment. If you've been experiencing symptoms such as constipation, anal leakage, the sudden urge to listen to shitty music, or just the general feeling of overall shittiness, you may be entitled to compensation. Contact the Smith, Hinkins, Anderson, Robbins, and Thompson Medical Male Practice Group at 1-888-SHART to make your claim today. Okay, Phil, we are back from the break, and we have a magical guest that just appeared. A beautiful unicorn showed up in the studio. Who do we have with us? Ben Ben Gleason is with us. Ben, say hi. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. Awesome. I think it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm super glad you're here. Ben is the lead singer, and uh, can we call you the brainchild of the band Source? You you can call me that. All right. Yes, the brainchild is here from the band Source, the band that I picked for Phil to review today. Now, I beat Phil in the rock, paper, scissors, anything you want to do a challenge earlier today. So no, no, excuse me. He beat me. So that means we're going to review his album first. So Ben, did you have a chance to listen to the strapping young lad album by strapping young lad? I did. I just listened to it this morning. I just, I went to see tool in Lincoln, Nebraska on Thursday and then got home yesterday and went to sleep at like eight 30 and then woke up at six so I could listen to it. What a warrior. Love it. How was tool? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah the new songs are incredible just incredible i was wondering if they played any of the new stuff there's been a lot of talk about that new album coming out i bet you they're pretty awesome yeah they played the descending and then they played invincible and invincible was like i don't know like 15 minutes long it, nice. yeah the the way that they're approaching the music is super cool i don't know it's it's still tool but then it's just sort of like evolved more and I don't know. I think people are going to hate on it because it's like the cool thing to do now is hate on anything. Um, yep. But 
uh, yeah, I thought they were just incredible. Well, let's contrast that with the Strapping Young Lad album because I don't tell Phil uh, about what I think about these albums until we go and record the show. And I, I want to start the process by reading to him uh, the definition of the word great. So, Phil, this is called the Great Heavy Music Podcast. And uh-huh. and uh, just want you to know that great means of an extent, amount, or intensity considerably <laughs> above the normal or average. I'm going to guess you don't think this is a great album. <laughs> well, and... you're a pretty insightful fella. Yeah. Come on, man. This isn't that bad. It's they're a fucking. You, it's a certain type of music. You got to be ready for it. You know they're, what they're like. You good. No, account. I know they're good, but not shitty like this album. So this album's not that shitty. <laughs> right, let's let's listen to the first track, right. Dire, while we're talking about it. I, I want right, Ben is it. the actual musician. He's the real artist here. He's the one who has some clout with him. Ben, uh, w- what are your thoughts on this album? Uh, I'm surprised you didn't like it. Uh, I think it's really great, um, sort of like, I don't know, I'd call it prog. It's like the vibes that I got were like Opeth and Mastodon and Pantera with a little bit more theatrical, um, flair to it, maybe. Now, I will say the mix is terrible. Uh, it sounds like shit, but. It's really, I think it's really good music. Well, the first track is an introductory song called Dire, and that's what we're listening to right now. And I think it's passable. It's nothing amazing, nothing whatever. But don't you feel like the first four songs are basically the exact same song? I mean, let's go to track two now. I'm going to put up uh, the second song, which is called Consequence. And yeah, I think these fucking songs, like they have the same rhythm for the first... 25 minutes of the album. Every song is the same. I don't, I don't know. I just didn't have any variety in in the first. Isn't that isn't that death metal though? Like, isn't that what death metal is? It's the same thing over and over again. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I just <laughs> yeah, Alex. Phil, what, what? Yeah, maybe it's being a little nitpicky. What is, what's appealing uh, to you about this album? I think it's. I just think it's like it's always avant garde in like a fucking heaviest shit way. It's something you wouldn't normally hear. <clears throat> um necessarily and uh yeah it's a little it's bombastic it's silly but i just i thought it was uh sort of fresh in a in a really gritty partly absurd way but i I, but it's strapping young lad man that's like what they do so you got to go into a ready for that and if you you know take that into account you know you shouldn't be too put off what and I, I just, yeah, I think it's catchy at times. You too. know, I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan of Heavy Devi. Yeah, I get down with the guy. I love Devin Townsend band. Yeah. I like even I even the Ziltoid and the Omniscient shit. I love all that stuff. But uh, this album, yeah. to me, I was just like listening to it again and again, going, I, I just don't like this. Why don't I? It's not appealing to me. Well, you're an ben, ha- okay. <laughs> Ben, have you heard the album by these guys called City? No, this is actually the first time I've listened to any strapping young lad. So. Wow. Okay. So, do you know about Devin Townsend? I'm sure. Yeah, I do know about Devin. I actually saw him open for uh, Opeth and Gojira at Red Rocks a couple years ago, and I thought Sweet, I thought man. he stole the show. I thought Gojira sounded good, but like way too uh, lip synky. Hmm. I mean, they're just like jumping around in circles while their their axe effects does their whammy you know pitch shifting for them you know i just they're obviously playing with tracks and like 
a lot of tracks. And so it was just, it seemed too, the show seemed too produced for me. And then Opeth, Michael was just freezing. So if he's cold, he obviously, it seems like he doesn't want to put on a very good show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Devin came out and just, I mean, I'd never heard Devin at that point. So I was like sitting there like, who the fuck is this? This is insane. And I, yeah, and I actually got to meet their keyboard player uh, a little, like a month or two back. Yeah, he was on tour doing lights for Tesseract, and those guys came into my float center and floated. Um, and he was, he came and floated too. And I was like, dude, you guys stole the show that night. That was fucking amazing. He's like, oh, thanks, man. That was, that's really, it's really nice to say. And he's really cool. Did he have his scullet at that point? No. no. <laughs> fucking majestic it, no, he thing. was just bald yeah <laughs> the the uh the pickles look is gone at this point I, <laughs> I was like at a certain point even he was like all right i gotta fucking clean this up <laughs> <laughs> yeah that video for what was the uh what song was it uh relentless relentless that video he looks so haggard you're like <laughs> like what is this yeah, but that's metal that's what i'm saying it's it like, is metal yeah. no doubt speaking of relentless let's turn up relentless here and listen to this just for a second we can listen to the jam and see if people dig this go and check out the music video for me this song is relentless in the sense that it doesn't change, it's the exact same thing for the entire song. I think it's I think it's a good song to bang your head to, man. That's a good uh, it's a good riff. It's grindy. I, I know. I don't know. It's I, nice. just, I, I agree. I don't know why. I'm, I guess I'm the odd man out here, and I'm glad that Ben's on your side on this one because I was gonna shit on you hard. <laughs> That's fine. I was wrong. I was ready for that. Well, the thing I think from a the thing I think from a musical perspective that I hadn't really heard before is. This level of like straight up fucking death metal, like I mean, it sounds like death clock almost, right? It's like that that thing that they're trying to make death clock like this quintessential like metal sound, right? Like so much of that I think comes from from this sound right here, with the super thrashy and the gallop beats and like all that shit. It's like all the the standard stuff that you're looking for in a in a metal album, but then with this harmonic content that very few people bring to, I mean, stuff that sounds like that. You hear harmonic content and stuff like Opeth and Between the Buried and, and Me and Mastodon, but you don't hear necessarily this level of, like, classic fucking death metal, you know? And, like, Opeth, it's so much more, like, European than this. Like, this is so just, like, classic fucking balls-to-the-wall death metal, but with this, like really interesting chord changes, really interesting harmonies, great singing, you know, and, and Devin's voice is super good and his ability to use uh, vibrato is really impressive. So I, 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 that's what really impressed me about this. I definitely, I definitely concede that his vocals are good. There's no doubt the vocals are very good on the album, but to me, like, let's go to track four, which is called a real uplifter called rape song. That was my least favorite. Okay. Little, little on the nose. So on, you know, little, little on, much. on rape song, it's like, okay, you know, here we go again, I guess. But um, for me, the wall of sound thing is overdone so much at the beginning that it's, I don't know, I, this is probably really off sides, but I feel like somebody now with an iMac could mimic this entire album 
super quickly. It just sounds like a bunch of fucking wall of sound that's mixed terribly. You can't discern hardly any of it. And his really good vocals. If you could sing decently, you could recreate this album pretty quickly. I think, I think part of what you're speaking to is that it's just really poorly mixed. And I, you know, it was obviously this is their first full length, so I, I, it's hard to make your first album sound good. Period. Well, that's a good that's a good point because we're going to review your band's first album, and I know, having spoken with you in the past, you had some things about it that you would do differently and some different insights. Yeah, on that. I think our first album sounds better than this, though. I mean, this sounds like shit. It's distort. Whoever mastered this is not good because it's distorting. It's clipping the whole time. It sounds like shit. Uh, it, it was me, guys. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Collins hired to do all the work. Okay, let, let's go to track five. This is the longest track on the album, six minutes and 46 seconds, and it's called Aftermath. And it's at, it's at this point of the album that I'm, I'm like, I cannot believe this is still happening. If for seven minutes we're listening to this. So, Ben, what do you think about Aftermath? Uh, I thought it did get a little droney for sure, but I like the, the opathy chord changes in the beginning and the end. Like, you could kind of tell that like this came out in 2003 and blackwater park came out in 2001 so i would assume that devin heard that and was like oh this is fucking sick maybe not i don't know but you can to me like as an opeth fan it sounds it sounds like there's influence there for sure um and i thought the ending was really sweet too it seems like it's an anti-war song for the iraq war as well yeah it says fighting for jesus through prices of oil so i'm guessing I can't uh, understand lyrics like ever. Most people Uh, never enunciate. Like I enunciate really, really intensely because I grew up singing in choir and they'd like whip you when you didn't, you know, T or T's and all that shit. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. I only know that because I like read the lyrics a lot. Yeah. And um. So like I wouldn't have just heard that and go, oh yeah, Iraq. Yeah, yeah. But like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But yeah. Um. It's, it's kind of neat, too, to go back and revisit albums from the early 2000s and the topical stuff that's woven into the lyrics. And, Phil, did this album have a special place in your heart? Was there, like, a reason why that you selected this one? It was probably, you know, I started listening to this the same summer that I got the Silent Circus, Between the Bear and Me. And um, it's probably, like, the second heaviest, maybe the, maybe the first really heavy metal, I should say, like, death-type metal uh, band that I got into, so I was always like, oh man, that's like, that's kind of my introduction to something that wasn't just metalcore, if there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, something pretty heavy, man. So, it was, it's my, it's my, one of my first three albums of like, legit death. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I guess, if I had to put it some way, some concise way. Ben, we, we have a good buddy of ours that we, we give shit to all the time because he likes the band Jet. I never heard of them. Oh, you're lucky. And uh, we we replace the word shit for jet like all the time. So whenever you know we're saying, "Are you feeling kind of jetty today?" You know. Got it. So um, your musical taste is super jetty at that time, Phil. In 2003, (laughs) Silence Silence Circus sucks. This sucks. Silence Circus is a good album, dude. I haven't Um, listened to that one. Oh, it's good. Well, you can listen to our last yeah. episode about Between the Barry to Me and Silent Circus <laughs> and get my insights, and it's pretty similar to this. So I'm really glad yeah, I read. Shitting all over it, man. I'm just shitting down the throat. But all right, let's listen to the next just, song called Devour. You're jet- jetting down the throat. <laughs> you're jetting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, 
Now, I'll be fair when I need to be fair, and I actually did not mind this song. Yeah, about the part where it says divide and then the uh, multiply in the background, that's, that's fun. Guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to shit on the whole thing. There are parts where it's got its place. If this was like a 25-minute EP and it was something I could put on in the gym and just kind of last to be mad about, I, I think I would be less harsh on it. But to me, it just wore on and on and on and on. And anyway, I like Devour, if not loved it, but it was good. Okay. Yeah, I thought the intro especially had that same sort of Opeth thing going on. It's like they, it just sounds like something that Michael would write. Um, and I also thought the uh, rhythm and the kind of breakdown section was really cool. And Phil, Wait. how did you hear about these guys? Uh, the same way I heard about um, probably most of the metal when I was first listening to it. it it's a uh, that website called um, Game Facts FAQ. Uh, it was just, it's like a it's like a social message board, and there's a metal uh, sub board on there, and I would just boost the browser all the time and just kind of pick up what people were saying was good or interesting at the time. And I'm sure someone just mentioned, oh, Strapping Young Lad, and I just fucking listened to it just because. And start, I kind of liked it. With your dial-up internet in 2002? Uh, I think probably, yeah, my little uh, AOL Instant Messenger fucking app thing with my black background and like orange text fucking <laughs> sweet oh, I was, I was probably cool. still but rocking yeah. my razor phone that was a good time oh yeah I never even had a razor man oh I had like multiple yeah. razors <laughs> <laughs> the razor was the shit yeah, and they would always break <laughs> though if you bend it too far back the top <laughs> thing would just shatter off <laughs> I dropped those things that's why I had multiple razor phones I dropped those things all the time and they just I, I could not no way I could have been trusted with a razor back then <laughs> or even now <laughs> okay hence the beard next next track up is called last minute let's take a little listen to old heavy devy here on strapping young lad okay. real uplifter here phil you know uh, packed with words it seems like he basically says like five things i want your head i want you dead i want your head i want yeah. you dead i want your head you know, it's I gotta like it. It's nice and streamlined. There's no, there's no, not a lot of guessing what this guy wants. It's death metal. That's what it's about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I like that. Da, 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 da. That scent. That's cool, man. That's creepy. It's eerie. Yeah. I like the reverse verb that they use too. Before, um, before the vocals come in, it does that sort of fade in thing. What that is is they, they, make the reverb track from the first hit. They record that and then reverse it so it leads into it. So it's like, ah, you know. That's cool, man. Yeah, it sounds really nice. Well, that's cool. And the pinch harmonics on on a a couple of these last songs are like, what the fuck? That is brutal, man. And and what does that mean, Ben? What is pinch harmonics? It's the, you know, like when you hear the, or like a dive bomb, you know, when you hear Dimebag, you're like, like that's a pinch harmonic with a, a, a Floyd Rose tremolo. Phil, I think this guy's kind of an expert, man. What do you think? Yeah, I think he knows something about music. <laughs> so I guess it probably feels good to have him on your side in this one. All right. Oh yeah, I was so relieved when you started shitting on. I was like, oh here we go. Yep. But then if he uh, when he yeah when he kind of started saying like it, I was like, okay, good. Mr. Gleason <laughs> coming to your rescue. All right, next one yeah. is uh, called Force Fed. Let me know what you think about this one, guys. Phil, well, tell us what you think about this one. All right, man. 
So I always thought when he says you're a goddamn fucking animal, that was a little silly. When I heard that, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those albums where people are like, this is dumb. Or they love it. And um, But I love when he says, we'll find a way, find a way to love again. It, it gets kind of triumphant towards the end. I thought it's kind of pretty, even though it starts off pretty brutal and borderline silly. But that's Devin Townsend, like like we've been saying. It's these moments of brilliance that you, 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 you automatically love and you learn to appreciate the rest of it. I mean, he writes so songs about how much he hates his wife. Like, you can't take right. his music that seriously. <laughs> right. And I always thought the line was, he says, one never breaks if you never bend. Well, yep. that was a cool line. Yeah. So it's got some cool lines in it. Yeah, I thought force-fed to the world was a cool line, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Al? Yeah, this is unfortunate because I'm going after you guys, and people are going to think that my inf- my opinion is being influenced by what you're saying. But this is actually one of my top three favorites on the album. I actually like this song, and I actually really like when he screams that part about, you're an animal, you're an animal, you're a goddamn fucking animal. I think that's just... Yeah. I guess my fickle, stupid uh, elementary school brain actually likes that simplicity and just uh, in your face. I like this track. Okay. Well, the next time you share on an album that I like, I'm going to say, remember you said you had a fickle, stupid elementary school brain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, good choice. All right. Second. I thought the production was really good on this song, too. I, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's a little cleaner. Yeah. And I wonder why that was. I mean, is when you're in the recording process, Ben, do you kind of do you pick uh, favorite children in a sense and spend more time recording certain songs than you do others? Is that kind of what goes to it? Uh, I don't. Everybody's different. I think the vibe that I got from this was like it was their first album and it wasn't super thought out. Um, and they probably didn't have a lot of money. And recording was so much more expensive back then. It's so easy to make something sound good now. Like, I mean, if they were reco- if this came out in two thousand three, they're recording this in like two thousand one, two thousand two, and like, I mean, Pro Tool. I don't even know what version of Pro Tools was out, but it was definitely like three or four, probably. It's like, you know, like really early. So, I just think that it's so hard to make something sound good. Uh, yeah. when you don't have much budget, and then you roll the clock back fifteen years. And it, you know, that it, it just be so hard. So I think maybe they either they spent more time on this one or it was just like, oh, I got this sweet idea. I mean, they hadn't really been in, you know, they hadn't been doing this all that long. And when that happens, you're like, oh, okay, I got this sweet idea. And you make it happen. And then that sort of kickstarts like the next evolution of how you record stuff. So I think, you know, it's just their first album. It's a really good point about the development of technology and the music recording process because we tend to overlook it because you're living in the moment of it. But even as a person who's not in the music industry, just a fan of music, you can tell. It's amazing how much further along independently produced music is. It's amazing how much further along bands are at an earlier stage and the recording process and the auto-tuning and all kinds of different stuff. So that's an excellent point that I got to keep in mind is while I'm shitting on this, it was a different world. Yeah, I mean, Animals as Leaders' first album, like, it sounds great. That's It's all drum machine. It's all programmed. And, like, even some of the guitars are programmed, I think. And I think that was all made on, like, a laptop. Like, you know, like, I don't even think they did that in the studio, really. And So, like, at that point, I mean, you're spending very little amounts of money to to make that. And that kick-started. I mean, it took a little while for people to get into Animals as Leaders, but, like, once they did that first album, you still listen to it. I mean, like, I can tell that the drums are programmed, but most people can't. And, like, if I'm just sitting there, like, stoned and, like, chilling, like, like yeah, this is great. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's programmed drums. But who gives a shit? I like electronic music. 
so much cheaper. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's funny you say about that electronic music. I thought some of the elements of this album had a little bit of electronic feel, like the repetitive oh, sure. loop back kind of. I thought they were uh, electronic esque. Industrial. Yeah, vibes. yeah, that's a perfect word for it. All right, this. I think that they go. The two genres kind of are are similar in a lot of ways. Like I listen to a lot of drum and bass, and there's a lot of like metal elements in drum and bass for sure. All right, we're going to turn up here Dirt Pride, the second to last track from Scrapping Young Lads' eponymous album. Ben, you take the lead on this one. What did you think? Well, I only had two notes, and it was that the pinch harmonics are sick, and this is not my favorite song on the album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I was not a big fan of this one either. But the good news is it's only two minutes and forty seconds. So, you, you do, do do you guys know that there's a line in here at the end, really randomly, apparently, that he says, "Wash my fucking balls." <laughs> when you just yes. don't care. That's it again. I mean, I think that's like, that's just fits exactly what this is. And right. I think metal, metal, you can't, like, especially like metal like this, you really can't take seriously. And I think. Anybody that does is like totally missing the point. It's a, it's in a lot of ways it's humorous and it's a way of like expressing these things that you that doesn't that don't usually get expressed through music. And I think uh, sometimes music can get really stiff and like uptight. And that's not to me. That's not what it's about at all. And that's one of the things I love about Tool is that there's so much humor like intermixed into. What a music that I would say can be considered really fucking serious, but it's almost because they're so serious about making music that there is humor intertwined into that because they know how important it is. And with a band like Strapping Young Lad, I mean, like the name's funny, you know? Right, like, yeah, exactly. Right. The, I think the whole thing is is certainly not meant to be taken seriously, and I think that's part of the joy of metal is to like just let the fuck loose and don't give a fuck and be like, yeah, wash my fucking balls. Right. So it's very tongue in cheek at yeah. times. Or in your mouth and cheek. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, tongue and tongue and scrub. That's right. <laughs> right. All right. Let's go to the very last track, which to me, you know, uh, Phil knows this band, but we do this stupid thing from a long time back where we talk in what we call the plebeian voice. And oh, yeah. when I read this, bring on the young, I'm picturing like a, Bring on the young, yeah. <laughs> like a court jester bringing on the young for the uh, tongue lashings they're going to receive or some gay stuff. So anyway, let's... I was, look. I was picturing a church, but, you know, same thing. Right? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very relatable in both ways. <laughs> All right. So bring on the young. Let me give you my thoughts. I'll give you guys the last two on this one. Um, yeah. I, I like the. there's at least a little variety and it's this slowed down a little bit and there's some kind of feel to it and it's just... I appreciated that it was not more of the same and it was a conclusion to this and a finale of this whole album. So I don't know if this is my top three, but it's close. It's probably right on the cusp of the top three. Okay, right on. I, I like to change the pace a lot. I was surprised they even were, that they went that way because uh, to your point earlier about how relentless it is as far as the wall of sound. So I thought it was kind of neat. Um yeah, I was yeah. I was really surprised by the clean tones. Like it was, I was just like in the in the metal, you know, in the groove of the metal, right? And then the clean tones come in. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So much tonal variety in this song, um, which 
I think that's one thing that the album is kind of missing. But again, like it's you know it's metal, so it's supposed to be you know in your fucking face the whole time. Um, but I that's what I love about about you know my favorite bands is that they don't just stick to that like really intense sound the whole time and you can kind of hear the evolution of where Devin's you know going with his music in this one so I yeah I thought the sludgy vibes were super cool um it's almost like early doom but like more technical in a lot of ways um yeah this this one was my favorite on the album so cool thing too I think they had uh the guy from death Gene Hoagland oh nice he, he was drums on this album, so that was maybe cool. that's why I hear all the all the uh, <laughs> right vibes. <laughs> I, I remember that being like a specific, specific point of emphasis, like when people were talking about this album, like oh, I got Scott Gene Hogan. Yeah. So well, Phil, I know you're familiar with this, but Ben, are you familiar with the website Metallum, where they do the Encyclopedia Metallum? No. There, it's it's a huge huge catalog of all metal bands, the most obscure shit in the world. I mean, really, any corner of the world. And people write reviews and, and they rank their albums and all that sort of stuff. And I, I just, I have to share this with you, Phil. I thought this is really funny. Some guy, <laughs> Drumming Edge 133, in December of 2012, the title of his review of this album is Holocaust of Hate, Round One, colon. Wow. Colon, no, comma, you fucking suck, period. Jesus Christ. And he said, I've had about enough of expressing my thoughts on albums I passionately revere. And so I thought to myself, what band would be perfect for me to start my Holocaust of hate on? Well, well, I settled on the musician rather quickly. But what release? His body of work is so long and extensive. After a little bit of pondering on this question, I also came to the most obvious of conclusions. Why not the first album that I ever heard by this musician? And so, strapping young lad it was. I probably purchased this album from Best Buy back when it was somewhat new in stores, so going on almost a decade now. I listened to it for a while and in my metal infancy thought it was decent, but as the years went on it faded into my CD collection, collecting nothing but dust, forgotten almost forever until this day. This is a great day, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to kick this album's ass as much as Devin Townsend tries to act badass or die trying. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, that's dedication. And then I'm not going to read the rest of it because it's about five fucking pages long. You can tell this guy really hates this album. But my favorite part is that he's the the next sentence of the the, fir, the next paragraph. The first sentence says, "So the first thing that fucking sucks about this fucking album are the lyrics." <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I love shit like that. Even though I don't even agree with him, but God, I love it. Just I love a good diatribe. Yeah, just the fact that he felt <laughs> so impassioned that he had to take it to the yeah. internet. To rag on a CD that he used to like, mature, right. matured from, his tastes change, and he's going back and shitting on it so hard. Like, okay. I mean, my tastes change, but Jesus, I'm not going to get back and be like, fuck this. Right, right. All right, well, All right. Phil, thanks for that, but just uh, make sure you take a look at the word great next time. I did, and uh, maybe uh, maybe you should come around a little bit. You still stand by this. that. It's a, good, it's a good album, man. All right, well, let's get to a really great album, a truly great album. By a band, right. little little band called Source, and that's Ben's band, and we're super grateful for him to be here today. His first album was called Return to Nothing. Ben, give us some insight. I don't really want to go. Um, well, I do want to go track by track and get your insights. But while you're talking, I'm gonna play some of your tracks and highlights of the of the album behind it. But tell us generally the process, the recording process. Like, what would you want people to know about this album? If you just had five minutes to kind of tell them about it, uh, 
It's our first album, and I guess it's a concept album about my experiences in the float tank uh, returning to nothing. And uh, it's a lot of my sort of expression and my beginnings of forming my ideas of what life's really all about and what the purpose of living is. And it's really, there's some deep content there for sure. Um, and it's funny because we recorded this album almost five years ago for like, yeah, it took a, we recorded it in steps. So we did the first three songs, um, not the first three songs on the album, but we did three songs as like a demo. And then we sort of took those and built off of it to make the full length album. And it's with two people that I don't play music with anymore. And it was, you know, we, we didn't get along very well musically or otherwise so in a lot of ways there's a lot of beauty in uh the sort of turmoil that is going on behind the scenes and then our ability to come together and still make something beautiful anyways and uh yeah it's uh, uh, from a songwriting perspective too i think it's much more in line with like how i naturally write stuff it's very organic the songs are long they go where i hear them go in my head there's really no like filtration it's very like raw and that was kind of the point of source to begin with was like i i had a seven piece prog band before this that was totally instrumental and i mean mixing that and everything about being in a seven piece band is so fucking hard so I was just like, man, we got to strip everything down. We got to make it as raw as possible. And, you know, this was right around the time when Axe Effects was starting to get really big and people were like, oh, you should get an Axe Effects. And I'm like, no, like we want fucking raw, real rock music, you know, and I want big ass amplifier really fucking loud. And I don't want anything fake. I want it to just be raw. So that's I think that was kind of the concept behind this album. Um, yeah. Phil, with that, ama- with that amazing introduction, uh, what did you think about this album? Because I had introduced this to you, and I think at the time you were unaware of Source. What did you think? Yeah, man. Uh, obviously, the tool comparisons, uh, I read like the comment on the, the first song I um, listened to. I was like, I totally see that. But I think there's like a sort of a... God, this sounds so weird, but it almost reminds me of like a um, 90s, like post-grunge kind of feel. Almost like a Jimmy's Chicken Shack at times. There's, it's just, um, it's like haunting and pretty, but it's got a lot of grit to it. Um, I really, and the, the, your voice on, on especially on the, uh, the, f- the first songs, it really jumped out to me. It's just so smooth, man. It's so, it's so engrossing. Like you just, you, it pulls you in. So I really, I was really impressed by the, um, by the album. And Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and uh, I actually like, um, it's funny because you switched to shorter songs and at first, like for your uh, stuff that you do now, uh, and I, I did feel like, oh, some of this is a little long, but now I'm like, I love how long it is. I, you know, I'm yeah. like, I totally jam out to it. Um, although, yeah, I streamlining the songs makes sense, but um, God, they these songs really, really grow on you. I mean, you like them anyway at first, and then you just, you just, they, the, the, even the length, just, you just start to appreciate that, and then you're like, I'm glad it doesn't end for a long time because it's some really good shit. Yeah, I think, I think when. There, there's a point to writing shorter stuff. There's a lot right. of different reasons to do it. Um, I've never gravitated towards that because 
I'm the kind of person that likes to take something and really flush it out all the way. And I think uh, one of the things I loved about Tool and, and other bands, you know, when I, when I started getting into longer songs, like first it was jam bands. But the thing about jam bands is they sort of flush it out too much. And it just gets old after a while. You keep harping on the same three chords. Like, dude, come on. It's not like there's a whole lot more exploration that can happen in a song. And then I heard frank zappa and i was like whoa okay like this is this is what i'm talking about you know he can he can take this one line like and then that like i mean that's the beginning of the song and but that's like also the basis of the song and that one little line branches off into so many different things and then comes back home and branches out and comes back home and everywhere that it goes still relates to that core idea of the song, which isn't even like a lyric, right? It's like this melody that's the core idea of the song. And I think that was super inspiring to me to just know that like, there's so much more exploration that can happen in a song. And and when I started trying to write shorter songs, I really tried to be able to take that same f feeling and make it uh, into something more concise. And there's something that like some shorter songs do where like, they sort of open up a time portal and make time slow down and you can have a three to five minute song feel like it's like this really long journey and that's totally, that something man. i was trying to do with the new album too so and for our listeners we're listening right now to track two memories of yesterday off of return to nothing but ben phil brought it up and, and you're touching on it now your your guys just your band just released a brand new album and it's excellent. It's very different from this one, but definitely make sure you tell our listeners where they can get that, where they can buy it, where they can listen to it and review it and all that stuff. Yeah, so you can get it from our website if you want to get a physical copy, uh, which nobody does that anymore. So if you don't uh, have a CD player, we made these really <laughs> cool things that are art books. They're 8 by 10 and they uh, have all the artwork that Travis Smith did for the album, who does... Uh, Artwork for Opeth and Catatonia and Devin Townsend. Um, and I think he did a Slayer album. He did the new Overkill album. He's really incredible. Um, so we wanted to make sure that people could see that artwork really big. And then it's got all the lyrics in it, too. And I've always loved being able to sit there and read the lyrics with something in my hands, not just off of, like, the Internet. Um, so if you listen to it on Spotify or... I mean, you can get it on Spotify, you can get it on Apple Music, you can get it on Google Play, you can get it on Amazon, you can get a physical copy on Amazon, too. Um, so all those links are on our website. Uh, if you go to listentosource.com, you can find our Facebook, our Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff right there. Um, and the name, what's the yeah. name of the album? The name of the album is Totality. Um, it's actually kind of a... Uh, the, the song it's uh, the song totality is a concept you know the concept is about going to see the total solar eclipse in uh, Casper Wyoming a couple years ago I had this just really incredible experience of like everything in myself and the universe all lining up at once and um, it sort of became the uh, the overarching theme of the album and it, you know it's we have uh, a lot of short songs on that, but we also have um, that at the end there's some longer ones that I think they're even more evolved than our first album. My microphone is tweaking out. Give me one second here. Okay. Go ahead. 
Phil, while, while Ben's doing that, uh, we're listening to the third track, which is the the essence, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, tell us what you think about that album or that track. Uh, yeah, I, there's a lot. Of, I wrote down a lot of like sort of contemporaneous notes, and I was like, it says slows down after a jam about four minutes in. There's like, and I'm so bad at describing music, but I'm like, there's like a cool. I said it was a horse clopping sound, so I maybe that should be explained because <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Um, it says, don't lose yourself. It was a really cool line. It was delivered really well. And surrender to sensation that I think sort of contrasts with the smooth singing that I liked a lot, um, if I got all that right. And uh, I, um, if I got the you know the lyrics right. Um, I thought it was really cool, man. I, I, there's a lot of contrast in it. Um, it. There's a bit of, there's sort of some progressive sort of uh, overtones because of the, the direction that the song takes. So I, I, to his point about Zappa and the different directions you can go with music, I think uh, the song does explore a lot. So, And it's 10 minutes and 22 seconds, which I just, you know, was shitting on you about Strapping Young Lad or jetting on you about Strapping Young Lad and how, yeah, well, you know, I mean, a, fi- a five minute song was like a crucifixion. But for me, and, and it's funny that you said that you came to this album and it was like, you like it originally, but then it kind of sinks into you. And that was my experience for sure. It was, right. I listened to it, I really enjoyed it, but I kind of tucked it away for a few weeks or months. And then I just thought about it again, and I came back to it, and I was like, man, I, I need to listen to this more and really digest it because I think of the length. And now that I have done that, I love it. I love the space between the words. I think that that is just... Uh, What's the it, it it's spacious? I guess is the word. That's what I'm looking for. It is spacious. The sound is spacious, and it allows you to digest the words because they're not so crammed together. Unlike the death metal feel, this gives you time to experience the album. And this is one of the best examples for me. It was the essence. Yeah, every every lyric, every piece has like this has time to sort of linger in the air, you know? Right, right. And sort of be yeah, set a tone. So yeah, absolutely, and that that was a really good song. It wasn't a top three. Um, we only went to, we went over two of the ones that's ever top three. I like the first two. Forgiveness is my favorite song, and then um, Memories of Yesterday was the other one. And there's another one later, I'll say. Okay. But uh, Essence uh, was uh, really good. Well, let let's skip over the word source, which is just a spoken word track. That's the fourth track. Uh, it's good, but it's not an actual musical jam. So let's do the next one, which is called. Return to Nothing. It's the title track on the album. And Ben, if you're ready to roll, tell us. Yeah, it should be. Yep, there we go. Tell us your thoughts on the title track and why it was named the same as the album. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's about floating, really. And it's about, um, I think, like, the lyric that really signs it up is, uh, the barren wasteland is the keeper of secrets. And I think that um, there's like this, man, I'm getting all this delay from my microphone. I'm going to just turn it down. It's tripping me out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There we go. Okay. So it's, ah, I'm going to keep turning it down. It's about um, tuning into this nothingness and really like accepting that i think one of the things that's really hardest about floating is not being able to identify yourself as existing by external means and i think there's this weird thing where when you take sensory input away 
the first thing that you want is to like see a wall or see like a color and be like, yo, that's a thing and I still exist. And I think a lot of people have that experience. And so I think this song is really about um, coming to terms with nothingness and really being able to, to feel that and experience it and then see the benefit of that. Because for me, what it, what it does is it sort of makes this fear of death and not existing sort of go away. Because in the float tank, I mean, for me, that's like the closest thing that I can experience to dying uh, when you think of like not existing anymore, you know? Right, yeah. And that, like, when you're in there and you feel that, you feel this sort of eternalness, like that that is almost like always underneath every experience that's always been there. And so this song is really like, someday I will return to nothing, and that's that's totally fucking cool now, you know? And that opens up so much freedom to actually experience something, too, you know? And Ben, what you're saying there, your statements kind of overlook or, or jump ahead because most folks that are listening to this don't recognize that you own a and operate a float center in, in Colorado, and they probably don't necessarily all of them know what that means. What does that mean, and why? what role does it play in your life, the float? Yeah, yeah, I just sort of talk about it like it's this thing everybody knows. I mean, we've chatted right. before about it, but I, I do that to everybody. I'm like, yeah, you know, the float tank, people are like, what is that? I'm like, come on, you really don't know this yet? Um, so I started a business called Isolate Flotation Center in 2012 when I was 23. And uh, it's a <clears throat> place where people can come use flotation tanks, which are also known as sensory deprivation tanks. And it's a big enclosed saltwater bath that's designed to minimize sensory input to your brain. It's dark. It's silent. Can't smell anything. Can't taste anything can't really feel anything because you're floating in water with 1,100 pounds of Epsom salt dissolved into it. So you float like a cork on top of the water. Um, there's really very, you don't really feel gravity because of that. There's like, it, it, there's some, you know, sense of weight, but it's, it's pretty weightless. It's probably as weightless as you can feel except for scuba diving or like, you know, doing one of those airplane vomit comet things. But um, and the, the water is the same temperature as your skin. The air is the same temperature as your skin. So everything's designed to create um, an environment where external sensory input has been attenuated to the point where you really don't feel it. And once that happens, um, it takes a second for most people to kind of really relax into that. But once you do, um, there's just this sort of expansive, like deep relaxation. And, it, you know, everything from that point is so different from person to person. Um, but I guess the point is to really give your external senses a break so that you can tune into your internal world in a much more present way. And for me, that has been the huge source of creativity and that's where kind of this this album in general has sort of come from. Like every song that I wrote on this album and to this day, you know, like I go float and then I come home and I pick up my guitar and I write most of the time. Because when you when I tune into that nothingness, I feel like that's the closest I can get to the source of of cre of creation itself. And by tuning into that source um, hence the name, I think that's, uh, just an infinite channel of creativity. And it's kind of like that flow state 
that people talk about in sports too. Like when you're in the flow state as a musician, things just come through you. And like, you know, uh, what was it? Can't remember which song it was on the album. I wrote it in like 30 minutes, like after the float tank. Um, Man, I'm trying to remember now. Well, the next one on the uh, I think it was the, probably the next one on the album is yeah. called Complacence. Is that one that has a tie to the float tank? Yeah, and that one's um, that one's more so um, has to do with therapy and kind of self exploration, which floating is part of that. But this was really coming from uh, my first experiences with a, t- a sort of teacher therapist person who was helping me to come in touch with the pain that. You know, I think everybody has trauma. That's just part of life. And I think the what we're taught in this culture is to just pretend that it's not there and keep going. And that, to me, is sort of the root of, of like, real dis-ease, disease, you know. And I think cancer especially is something where people are really numbing some part of themselves out. And that, that part of themselves becomes finis- physically manifested as dying cells. And so this song is really about not numbing that out, not being complacent about your responsibility as a human being, which is to engage with yourself on every level. And that includes, it is the most important part of that is feeling grief and feeling pain and feeling all the discomfort that comes along with it. So that song is really about um, being guided by somebody into really feeling um, the depth of what I've been avoiding at that point in my life. Phil, what did you th- what did you think awesome. about complacence? Oh, I um, just musically, I thought it had a really good bass in the opening. Uh, I think the lyrics are, "As I stand here crying, I realize I enjoy the rain," um, and I thought that was a really fucking cool line, man. Especially, cause it speaks to what you're saying. Like, I, I would interpret that as the rain being something negative, something that you were trying to avoid. And, uh, you know, the crying is just like you just tearing down your walls and embracing it and just realizing that this is life still. And it's, it's a part of life. And so it's, you know, you enjoy the rain cause it's, it's, it is life. You enjoy that. You're, you're, you're not running away from your experiences and you're just sort of, yeah. And it's, I mean, it like, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys have had this experience. Like you're fucking like bawling about something, but it feels good. Right. Yeah. Sure. And like, totally. There's like it, it for me. It's like this buildup of like, oh, I really wish this wasn't happening. Like, fuck this. This fucking sucks. And then like when I accept that this is what's happening and just feel it and allow myself to to grieve and to cry about it, then I'm like, oh, this fucking feels so good. And that you know, it's the same as the rain. It's like you feel this buildup and you're like, oh shit, this thunderstorm's coming. But then it starts raining. And you're like, oh man. I like rain. This is nice. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, that, that line really spoke to And me. most people don't know this about Phil, but he is a true American hero. He served in the Army. He was stationed in Kuwait. So you probably experienced a lot of bullshit like that, man, where you had some real torn emotions being so far uh, away from your family and being in a fucking nightmare environment. I mean, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't too bad. It was a stable government. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> so it wasn't that bad. But yeah, it sucked. It was, I was homesick like crazy and the place was kind of shitty. Not no offense to the government of Kuwait if they're listening to this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it you know, but yes, it, I, I totally man, it, I was kind of miserable. It's funny that ironically I look back on it and I've missed some of it, a lot of it, which you inevitably do with a lot of experiences you wouldn't necessarily expect to. And so I kind of wish I would have embraced it more at the time, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, talk, talk, talk about a universal experience when you describe going through something that you didn't necessarily love at the time, but you look back on it and appreciate it later. That's pretty, uh, right. yeah, pretty. One, you're like, if I didn't, if I didn't like, and I sort of put myself in a bubble there, so if I wouldn't have sort of sh- like shielded myself from my environment, I probably maybe wouldn't have, maybe would have been better. You know, maybe that's the ironic part. It's like if you don't, if you know, if you want to, you know, it's like you have to embrace it and for it to become good. You don't want to embrace it because you don't think it can be. You know what I mean? So you have to sort of just try it anyway. Right. Yeah. Cool story, bro. We just, yeah, I just right. was, <laughs> you, mi- you missed the Brutal. first part of the episode, Ben, but when you go back and listen to it, that'll be funny. <laughs> cool story, bro. All right. All right. So let's get to the uh, third to the last track, which is, Real short, two minutes and 46 seconds. I want to hear from Ben as this is playing along. It's called Consumed. I want to hear from him why we thought this was a good spot for this song in the album. It seems like it's a perfect palate cleanser to get you kind of ready for the last push, which is 20 minutes and two songs, but they're two excellent songs in The Serpent and Quadrant. So tell us what you were thinking when you had Consumed placed here on the on the album. Well, I knew that uh, the album needed a break. It's like pretty, you know, there's there's parts in songs like The Essence and stuff where uh, it chills out a little bit and it gets a little bit softer. But for the most part, it's pretty like intense musically the whole time. So I knew that we needed some kind of acoustic break. And I love Opeth and I love those acoustic songs that they throw in there. So I wanted to challenge myself to write kind of a finger picky, um, you know, acoustic song. And then I got this, I got a new guitar um, right around that same time as a P245 P- PRS semi-hollow. And the, the neck pickup on that thing is just so jazzy and beautiful. So I knew that I needed to put that on there as well. And I wrote this whole harmony part that I don't, I don't know, I wasn't really even expecting to write, but it worked out so well. And then the guitar solo, you know, it's that really kind of jazzy, uh, opethy sound that I was really going for and then lyrically I think it actually really speaks to what Phil was saying is that like there's like the concept is that like uh, experience is created out of curiosity um, and it's sort of like the the universe itself is curious about all the shapes that it can create and I think when we're experiencing stuff that's like oh man I don't want this I think that fundamentally those things exist because they are um, accepted and, and, and it's, it's created so that we can experience every angle of, of, you know, of consciousness itself essentially, right? And so when we're in those moments of, of feeling like this is not what I want and this is fucking terrible and why the fuck is this happening? I go straight to just feeling the presence of the moment itself. And that's what this song is really all about is like seeing, seeing everything as just one more shape uh, in this, in the grand spectrum of the, the geometry of the universe. In, in you, a sense. you touched on it, but it went kind of quickly. The guitar thing is something I want our listeners to know because you're a trained pianist, right? You did not grow up playing guitar. Yes. No, yeah, and I wrote this song oh, two years into playing guitar. So, like, Forgiveness, I wrote, like, three months into playing guitar. And, I, I, like, I 
I had this whole experience where like I was a piano player and every time I pick up a guitar, I'd be like, man, this is the most alien thing ever. It makes no sense. Like, I don't even know what note is what, how am I supposed to figure it out? And then I was at a point where I was like really needing to just stop thinking about stuff so much and just like let my body do things. And the guitar is the perfect instrument for that because if you know how music is supposed to go and you know what notes sound good with each other, um, your body just sort of like figures out the intervals on the guitar eventually when you sit down and, and spend some time with it. So um, this was sort of the culmination of, of two years of really hard practicing to be able to play this. And we recorded it, and I was like, man, we're never going to be able to play this song. Like, I, this song is so hard for me to play. Um, but then when we went back into the studio to bounce the, the backing tracks of, like, the little synthesizer parts and stuff, um, I was like, let's bounce this without the electric part. And I'll just practice it a bunch and see if I can play it. And now with the, the new bandmates, we play it as a full band song where we have drums and bass and all that stuff. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a really cool track. Well, I, for one, am glad you picked up the guitar, my man, because it Me sounds too. awesome. Oh, yeah. I don't even play piano anymore. It sucks. I have a Steinway in my in my living room. And I just <laughs> barely touch well, it. Well, let, let's get to uh, – this is one of my favorites on the album. Phil, I don't know if this is one of your top three, but the second to last is called totally. yeah, The Serpent. Is. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's let's jam to this for a second, then, Phil, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Phil, what was your vibe with this song? Yeah, man. Uh, gosh, when I, the part you just played, um, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, shit, I think this is like one of my favorite songs on the whole album. Because uh, it's just, it just pulls you in, and his voice is so haunting and pretty. And uh, and the lyrics, man, and especially because he had, we had talked to him before at one point about what they mean, I kind of misinterpreted them, but... Just where, you, where she says she'll take her toll, her she'll she will take her toll and show you your insides, and you know it's not, show you it's all right. Sort of accepting yourself. Um, it's just it's just sort of this. It's an experience. The song is it's 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 it, it's a little long, but in a good way because it, it there's so much music in it. And to our point about earlier, we were talking about how the we there's space in the songs. Let the lyrics hang in there. This song really sets its tone so well. And uh, like I said, it's it's got a haunting quality to it, but it's actually really uplifting. And uh, and I really like the riff in the beginning too. So this this song, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, this is a fucking great song. Um, love it. It's one of my favorite songs. Heard and a while. Ben, it's my favorite song. Oh, nice. Probably, so. Rock sweet. It, it, but nice. and this is one of the earlier ones that you guys had recorded for the album, right? This didn't, even though it's track the second to last track, you guys had this one in the bank, right? Yeah. Uh. Oh. Uh, yeah. We did. Yeah, it was Forgiveness, The Serpent, and Veil of Doubt, which is the bonus track. I don't know if you guys have heard that one. I don't think so. Um, if you buy the physical version on Amazon, that's got Veil of Doubt at the end. Okay. Well, I'm going to now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what the hell, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a different song. It, 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 like, it fits the vibe of the album, but the reason it didn't make it on was when we first did the album... We weren't. We had gotten signed like right after we finished the album, and when we were, like, I had already done like two thousand copies of the album before we got signed, and they were in production when we got signed, and we couldn't fit that song 
onto the album because it was too long for a CD. And then the record label found people who could make CDs that played long enough to be able to put it on there. So so we added it as a bonus well, track. Well, tell us about The Serpent, because you had a really cool insight about it with the snake kind of eating your desires or your fears or whatever. Tell me, you're going to explain it much better than I can. Yeah, so this is about an experience I had with psilocybin mushrooms, which we just decriminalized yes. here in Denver. I'm coming out yes. to see you, brother, and we're doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's um I'm I'm so proud of us. Like the fact that it passed the first time that it was on, I'm just I'm ecstatic. Um and just as a side note, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see over the next, you know, ten years or whatever as this starts to become something that becomes more integrated into our culture, how that how that plays itself out, because I think there's gonna be a lot of positive impact, but there's also gonna be a lot of people that kinda like aren't able to figure it out at first and it's going to be challenging for us as a society but that being said i've had you know i've had my experiences with psilocybin and it's something that i've found to be really positive and this is a song about two different experiences i had over the course of like two weeks um that really were taking you know something something that the psychedelic experience does is it takes your fears and it puts them right in front of your face whether that's i mean that's why i think pot's a psychedelic too because like if you smoke some strong ass sativa and then you start thinking about you know something you said to somebody a while ago or like all the ways that you're not like working as hard as you could that's something that i think is super positive um and so many people shy away from that because they're like oh this made me paranoid. It made me anxious. I don't like it. But I think the the psychedelic experience gives you this option of sort of accelerating your own process of of growth. And it does that by taking your fears and putting them right in front of your face. And so this song is really about like, um, you know, it's like you need this. You need to receive this. And when I'm saying like this, what I'm really talking about is this like really expansive, um, enlightened, uh, set, like feeling that you get once you've moved through the fears, but there's this fear that's preventing you from feeling this expansion. Right. And so the song is about, you know, feel like I, I saw this snake, uh, with my, I'm laying in my bed, you know, tripping out with my eyes closed and I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, in a lot of paranoia, we were playing we were playing music in the living room and I was worried that the cops were going to come and arrest me for playing music because <laughs> I actually had gotten arrested for playing music once a long time oh, ago. Sure. Um, and it wasn't for playing music but it's cuz I had a warrant out for not going to court for like a really minor ticket and but like I had had the cops called on me like 10 different times throughout my life just for practicing music cuz people are assholes and I was like dude you don't understand like this is what I, you know, I'm trying to do this with my life. You can't just like call the cops because I'm working on my life's passion. Like this bullshit. Anyway, so I'm like laying there freaking out, and then I see this snake come and just like, and I'm I'd heard in uh, you know ayahuasca cultures and shamanic cultures that if you see a snake, you're supposed to let it eat you. So I'm just like, yeah, dude, like come eat this shit. I'm sick of it, and it just you know it's coming through and devouring all these blockages that I had in my body to being able to receive this like grand expansive viewpoint that the psychedelic experience can bring you to. And so, yeah, that's what the song is really about is like, I've always experienced the, the mushroom energy is sort of like a feminine goddess. And that's, you know, that's what the chorus is all about. Like she will take her toll. Like she will force you to look 
at the things that you don't want to look at, but it's something to behold when she shows you that all of it is all right. You know, and that's, this song is really just about like embracing, embracing transformation and knowing that when you do that, it's always better on the other side. Everything is always going to work out. Well, the, the closer on this version of the album is Quadrant. And <clears throat> I want to hear from you, Ben, a little bit uh, about this album, Closer, and why you put it here. I know it's a little different now because you have that song that's on the longer playing. So was the decision to restructure the album at all because of the fact that you were going to have to kind of clip it short and did you rearrange everything else because of that or do you still like the placement of all the rest of the tracks and then this is just where it had to end man i think i would have put <clears throat> veil it out somewhere in the middle maybe to give a little bit more um maybe like right after return to nothing or something like that just to give you something like a nice little like because veil it out's a lighter song it's not super heavy um, it's a lot of distortion still, but it's not like super metal. It's more like rock and roll. Um, but Quadrant was always the closer. And I think it's the closer because all of the other songs really lead up to being able to even like, you know, understand and process what I was going through when I wrote Quadrant, which was just a lot of like coming to terms with like my upbringing in that like I was super privileged and my parents loved the shit out of me and they were super supportive in a ton of ways and still there's all of these things that they did and that you know just the you know the culture that I grew up in as well really limited me um in a lot of ways and as I started to uh get in touch with all of all of that there was just a lot of anger that I felt towards my parents and because I was so privileged like it it was really hard for me to accept that because I'm like oh man I grew up with all this money and support and love I don't get to feel angry about these things that are kind of nitpicky but ultimately they're not nitpicky because like if it's preventing me from from being myself and like feeling relaxed and like allowing myself to to spread out and really be present in the world then it is, it's a big deal. That's a big fucking deal. And I think a lot of people who grow up privileged struggle with that. And, you know, it's the problems that you want to have. Like, I, I would much rather be dealing with that than, like, growing up starving, you know. And so I'm super grateful to be able to have those problems. Sure, but it doesn't um, change the fact that you have perspective. You have a perspective in your life. <laughs> exactly. And so the song's really about, like, I can hate you, blame you, curse your name, and say that things won't be the same. Um... And say that I'm getting the fuck out of here and I'll never see you again. And I actually get to feel that, you know? Because if I don't, what it does is it totally invalidates the anger of my inner child who's always with me. You know, I think everybody always has an inner child. And that part of that part of themselves is always there. Like, your right brain doesn't experience linear time in the same way that your left brain does. And that, like, your right brain, like, that's still all of your childhood self is still in there and so if you don't do that you're totally invalidating this huge part of yourself which prevents that that child like uh curiosity and playfulness like that stuff doesn't come through when you don't when you don't allow that part of yourself to process the feelings that it has and has had about you know the experiences that you've had right 
So I think it's really about coming to terms with all of that and then finding forgiveness um, for my parents specifically. Um, and I think the ending, the ending is like, hold me in your arms. Please won't you keep me breathing. And it's really seeing childhood in its tr- what I think is its most true uh, light, which is that your parents are God. When you're born, like they have the control to, to they have the ability to control if you live or die, they feed you, they created you. And so from a really fundamental sense, when you're a child, your kids really or your parents really are God. And because of that, every single thing they say is right at the time. And then you grow up and you start to realize, hey, maybe this wasn't really true and hey, maybe that wasn't really true. And and yet that is the essence of the human experience is that you learn how to be a human from humans which are inherently flawed um and there's a lot of grief that comes with that because you want god to be fucking perfect you know it's like you're god you're supposed to be fucking perfect um and that's really not you know it's not what it's supposed to be and so the line show me what it means to be a human being is really like finding gratitude for the guidance that they've given me both the good things and the bad things and the things that limited me, the things that helped me expand. And it's really just about coming to terms with all of it and finding gratitude. Super cool. I mean, that's just such a, I'm excited for you guys in the sense of you have this restructured band. Now you got a brand new album out. I think you're just hot off the heels of a tour, right? And you probably have another one coming up not too long from now. Yep. A couple weeks. Okay. You want to plug a couple of those dates? Yeah, we're it's all coming together still. We're it's it, it's really hard to get shows booked at the level that we're at, but we're playing um, June seventh through the twentieth. It should be. Um, we're playing Colorado Springs, Santa Fe, uh, Phoenix, San Diego, Los Angeles. I think it was uh, Pacifica, California, something like that. Just got confirmed, and then Salt Lake City uh, and Denver. Uh, to close out the thing and there will be some dates filling in in between to find those dates the best way the way that gets updated the fastest is facebook so if you're on facebook like us on there it's facebook.com slash listen to source um, or you can search source band in the facebook search window and we should come up uh, <coughs> and then our tour dates will get posted on our website as well but Definitely come check us out because I think we're one of those bands where you listen to the recording, you're like, oh, this is good. But then you come see it live and there's something about, you know, the three of us like really feeling the songs and the content and the material and connecting with each other and then bringing that to you. I, I connect with live music so much more. And so I think people connect with my music live so much more because I think that's just how I communicate the best musically. That's a fact, man. I, I can't count the number of times I have yeah. been... <clears throat> a fan of a band or a fan of an album and then I go and I hear them play it live and it just goes next level. You, you're through the roof about a band or a feeling that you had because seeing it live is so compelling and so rich and just they pull it off and you can tell they love the song as much as you do and it's um, a wonderful experience. So make sure that if you're listening, go to their Facebook page and the web page is listentosource.com but facebook.com forward slash listen to source T-O, not the numeral two. And, yeah. and Ben, um, is there anything that you want our listeners to know about future recordings? You guys back in the studio? I know you just released this new one, but you seem like you're always learning, always reading, always floating and, and writing. And is that just kind of the way you are? 
Yeah, I so when I was in the studio for when we were recording Return to Nothing, I ended up writing a whole concept album at that period of time and we ended up recording Totality before that because we needed some material to play when we get opportunities where you're on tour with Hell Yeah and In Flames and you got to play 20 minutes. Like if you have all 10 minute songs, you can only play two songs. So we're like, okay, let's like be practical here and write some stuff that we can play when we get these opportunities. And then people will get into it and then find the longer stuff and be like, oh, this is fucking sweet. And I think people who don't like long songs will begin to like long songs if they hear our short stuff and then listen to our long stuff because it's the sound, but it's just more of it and it's longer. And same with live shows, you know, like, I always wanted long songs because, like, if you've got an hour-long set, who gives a, who gives a shit how that's divided up, right? right? Um, but right. when you have a 20-minute set, it kind of matters, you know? Like, it, it, there, there is, True. especially from my angle, too. Like, if I play two song, two 10-minute songs, it feels almost the same as playing two 5-minute songs to me. So in a 20-minute set, I would much rather play four short songs than two long songs. Um but yeah, so I so we put that album out in March, and I really want to record this concept album. But but then I've also been writing. I mean, I have definitely more than an album's worth of material that I've been writing since recording Totality. So uh, we actually just started writing as a group a couple of weeks ago, and the song that we're working on is like way 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 different. Like it's like between the Buried and Me, Opeth, like none. I don't think anybody's gonna listen to that song and be like, oh, it sounds like Tool. Um, but then, you know, this other song that I'm writing, I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like Tool. I don't know what to do. Maybe I should just embrace the fact that we sound like Tool sometimes and keep going, you know. Um, but, yeah, we should be recording. Uh, my goal is to get into the studio uh, in December. My drummer is a recording engineer and has his own studio. So we're going to do the next albums with him because it'll save us a lot of money. And I found that... I've I, things always work out better when I'm the one that's in charge and when we're the ones that are in charge and like the last album was incredible and Ulrich made it sound great but there's a lot of things that I just would rather be in control of like the mixing process was so hard like mixing over email is horrible it's absolutely horrible <laughs> and like that month where we were mixing i was so fucking miserable the whole time just like why does it no why would you put that there and he's like oh it sounds great and i'm like dude it sounds like shit and then you know <laughs> we get on the same page and it all and then it ends up sounding great but i just think the process would be so much easier when we're the ones doing it and justin's a great engineer so i think we're gonna make something that sounds really great um we should have <clears throat> i think the goal is to put out uh one album and then put another one out like six months later kind of a thing like the automata stuff this year awesome or last year i guess it yeah. Was, yeah which uh a great album by the way but uh oh i God. i want you to know <laughs> from for what it's worth man one lowly guy's opinion i don't think your comparisons to tool are that overwhelming i i love the sound that your band has as an independent entity i was first time i heard this return to nothing album i could hear it i guess in the bass lines that there's similarities to tool which is funny because dan doesn't listen to tool at all he loves mudvane it's his favorite band is mudvane yeah so uh, you know <laughs> nice. for me it was not in any at any point it's something to say oh this sounds like a ripoff or anything like that it sounded absolutely unique and like you guys and i think a large part of that is the vocals the vocals are distinctly you. you and thank you. excellent so 
Thank you. Phil, I'm glad I I referred a good album to you, a great album to you, an excellent album to you, not a dog pile. And I actually have the guy here who fucking wrote it. So (laughs) you need to next level your game, bro. You kind of backed me up a little on the strapping. Dude, lad, strapping, but, okay. on, strapping on glad is good. I'm, I'm a fan. That's awesome. And the fact that you think that our first album is better than that is really cool. I will say it definitely sounds better than that. And I think you know compositionally, I, it's they're just different. It's different music for sure. But that is a right. huge compliment. So thank you. You got it, bruh. Bruh. <laughs> bruh. Cool. Cool story, All right. bro. Cool All right. Story, well, bruh. Phil. Oh, actually, you know what? I should probably turn this over to you. I don't. I don't want to put you on the spot, Ben. But do you have two albums that you want Phil and I to listen to, and maybe you have a shout out or a review of in the future? Hmm. If you don't, I'll give you about uh, thirty seconds to think about it, because I'm gonna. Does it, have, it has to be heavy music. It has to be heavy, but 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 that being yeah. said, it can be heavy in the sense of we're we're gonna review punk. We're gonna review metal. We're gonna review rock. We're gonna review uh, songs that are like slow and calm but they have very heavy lyrics so if you can sell us that it's heavy we'll take it okay so here's here's one that i'm gonna try and sell you on because it is literally the most shredding that i've ever heard in my entire life okay like the amount of shred that happens in this album is like mind-boggling and it is nothing close to metal at all it's uh by a band called shakti which is John McLaughlin's uh, Indian classical music project. Can you spell that? And John, yeah, S H A K T I. Okay, Shakti. Um, <clears throat> so John McLaughlin's a guitarist in Mahavishnu Orchestra. You guys know Mahavishnu? No. Um, real what? Oh man, yeah. Listen to uh, Inner Mountain Flame by them. That is a serious fucking album. They're they're just incredible. It's like Frank Zappa, but a little bit different. It's not so like quirky. It's a little bit more serious, yeah. maybe. Um, but Shakti is John McLaughlin with the best tabla player to ever exist, Zakir Hussain, and it's tablas and a guy that playing Indian clay pot, which is one of the trippiest. It's Udu essentially, but it's one of the trippiest sounding percussion instruments I've ever heard. And then uh, John McLaughlin plays acoustic guitar, and then there's a violin player as well, like an Indian violin player, and. It sounds like the four of them are like one mind, like with four bodies somehow. It's the tightest, cleanest, most intense shred music you will ever fucking listen to. The album's called A Handful of Beauty. Okay. Handful of Beauty. Okay. And dude, I I recommend that to people who love metal because it's not metal. But when you listen to it, you'll be like, holy fuck, this is metal as shit. And it's like not metal at all. It's like acoustic music, like Indian acoustic music. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend that one. Um, I'm gonna play. I'm just pulling it up right now. I'm gonna play a sample of it so we can get the the feel for what you're talking about. And then uh, Phil, if you want dibs on this one, it sounds like he's hyping it pretty freaking hard. So you can take dibs on this one. Sure, I'll definitely. Okay, and then what's the next one? Um, let's see. Have you guys reviewed? Uh, have you guys reviewed Leviathan by Mastodon yet? No, and you know what? I don't like Mastodon. What? People. Boo! Pe- Boo! People shit. <laughs> people shit on me all the time. I've tried. I want. It was like when I was a kid, and people were like, 
hey, do you like yogurt? There's like 9 million cool flavors and they're fucking dyed all kinds of funny colors. And they got sprinkles in there. And I'm like, no, I still don't like it. I wish I did. I really wish I did. <laughs> you didn't like the gogurts? Did you ever put a, take a gogurt? Yeah, I still thought freezer? it sucked. It's like a fucking frozen shitty popsicle. But then oh now as an adult, I like yogurt. But that as an aside, that's how I feel about Mastodon. I want to like it. They well, got a really cool album art. People like <laughs> love stroking their D, but I just can't get into it. I think Blood Mountain sucks. Boo. Did you listen? Right, did you listen? Great, did you listen to? Did you listen to Leviathan though? I think I have, man. I've. Tr- I swear, I've tried. I mean, I, I. If you are, if you are assigning me, uh, listen. I'm deferring to you. You're the awesome metal artist here, rock <laughs> artist. If you are assigning me this task, I will give it my due diligence. I will promise you to give it every opportunity. But have I you, think. Well, have be, you heard "Crack the Sky"? That's the other one. Have you heard "Crack the Sky"? I have. I actually bought "Crack okay. the Sky" and I just right. couldn't get into it. Well, if you don't like it, then that's that's you know, that's how it is. Um, the other one that I have been super super hype on is Great Misdirect. Do you guys have you guys done that one yet? Oh yeah, yeah. Between Barry Man. Yeah. Uh, we haven't reviewed it, but that's a, that's a fucking uh, great album. Yeah, I, I man, the from uh, from Disease, Injury, and Madness, or whatever it is, um, to Desert of Song. Those three songs are just like glorious man yeah that's that's they're such a fucking good band dude. yeah uh, yeah I, I saw them play um yeah i think it's disease injury madness right that's the name of that song with the horse and the fucking <laughs> yeah 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 that song is so fucking so sweet and, and then the last two they played um the next song um as well uh yeah, it just, man, wow, that album's so kick-ass. All right, well, Phil, we'll discuss offline how we're going to divide up this task, but I think what we'll do is probably do some sort of combination of the two or, or maybe go with Leviathan and the Between the Barry to Me because that'll fit more of the mold and we'll touch on Shakti. But, uh, Phil, what do you have it's, for me for next week to review? And it better be right. great, okay? <laughs> all right, listen. All right, listen to me, asshole. Um Remember we were talking about how we I was gonna give you like sort of options for like maybe what you're feeling like yeah, okay. vibe wise. All right, are you want do you want something power metal ish or more? I'm brutal? gonna I'm gonna send you I'm gonna send your way a power metal album. So give me the brutal one. All right, go. I'm gonna have you do um, Arsis, and I need you to do We Are the Nightmare. Okay, sweet. I'm fucking all about that. I love Arsis. All right, then I'm gonna send to you. The album "At the Expense of Humanity" by Judicator, and and the uh, lead singer Judicator is going to join us for that episode too. Oh, sweet! Fuck yeah! So it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be as excellent as it was today with Ben. And Ben, we're very grateful so to much, you, man. man. I hope every I hope everybody out there goes out and and sees you guys live because I mean you can tell by the way you talk about the music and you experience it and the way you're just pouring out of you. This is you, man. This is like your way of expressing your energy to the world. And I hope people come see you live because it's going to be an experience. Oh, it's got to be. Thank you, man. Yeah. And uh, like you're out in Maryland, right, Phil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we should be out there in August. I oh, don't know fuck. if we'll get to Florida. I don't know when we'll get to Florida. It's hard for us to get down there because it's way the fuck away. All right, man. If I, dude, if I can come to that to a show out here, if you come out here, I will, be, I will absolutely come, man. Fuck yeah, dude! Hell yeah! I think I'm. I think I'll probably fly out to Denver sooner than that and come see you up on mushrooms. That'd be amazing. Hey man, if uh, so, we play at this place in Boulder that is. It's called the Fisk Planetarium, and it's CU's Planetarium. 
And so it's a full 360 dome with like straight up the nicest movie theater seats that you can possibly sit in. And it's full surround sound and we they have a stage and we play live and they have 25 different computers running at once to create these shows. And they have the, so it's a mix between their star shows where they take you to like Saturn and have you fly through the fucking rings of Saturn. And then they like take you all the way out and show you the entire like galaxy. And like they do everything inside of the Milky Way, essentially. But then they also have this uh, visualizer program that's like like, you know, like super leading edge technology. And it syncs with the music and like you'll be like going and like surfing the mountains of Mars. And then he'll just like open up a portal to like fucking triangle land. And like it's not like lame fucking triangles. It's like really fucking trippy. And dude, if you can make it out to one of those shows on mushrooms, you yeah, that's the move. <laughs> game game changer right there. Total game changer. Yeah, yeah we should be doing that in September again. So Sweet. I'll keep you posted. Yep, it's probably happening, so just let me know and I'll book my flights. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, so gentlemen, I appreciate it. This was another great episode of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. Go out. Everybody listening, go out, subscribe, download, listen to the Great Heavy Music Podcast, and go subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do for the Facebook page for Listen to Source. Buy their shit, see their shows. Those guys are awesome. And we'll leave you with the way we brought you in with a little bit of this. Until next time. Awesome. Great heavy music. Oh, no. <laughs>